Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Coming to you live from Los Angeles for the entire week, I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to Sirius XM Progress. We're all over the place. Thea is running this beast from Brooklyn. Chris is our Lord Protector in South Carolina. I come to you from the beautiful city of uh, St. Monica, and it is a great pleasure to be with you all tonight for a really special show. We got a good one tonight. My God, Chris, how did this happen? This show, We have spectacular women joining us tonight on the show, including comedian Rhonda Hansom, and also Dr. Karen Baker will be joining us tonight to talk about her dynamite book, The Sounds of Life, How Digital Technology is Bringing Us Closer to the World of Animals and plants. All that, plus all the politics you can handle, and there's a lot of politics to get to, which is why I'm really happy to have pets and comedy and nature balancing things out tonight. Our number for the next three hours is 866-997-4748. You should listen to our podcast as well. If you ever miss an episode of the show, you can always hear it on demand or on the SiriusXM app or the John Fuglesang podcast, which you can get on Apple or Stitcher or Google or any of those things. Hello to the Daywalkers, everybody who listens on demand the next day, and hello to our evil army of the night. You guys already know, for the next few hours, our number is 866-997-GRIT. Let me uh, throw in a thank you to Twitter. When last we spoke, friends, I had just been off Broadway doing our show Laughing Liberally in New York, which I'll return to in a week and a half. And I had had my Twitter hacked and lost access to my entire Twitter account. This happened to me twice on Facebook for my verified blue check page and then my Twitter account. Facebook, I'm waiting 16 months and three weeks for them to do anything. And we've been through VPs. We've used back channels. We've done all the official channels. 16 months, nothing but bots and prayers. Twitter, less than 72 hours. So there you go. If you're going to get hacked, try to have it be there. I'm sorry to everybody who fell for the scam that my account was running. I am not actually selling laptop computers. That wasn't me. So my deepest apologies. Um, and one last thing. I'm here in L.A., the big show, uh, Stephanie Miller's sexy liberal comedy tour, the Saving Democracy tour, is going to be this coming Saturday night, the last night of the fall midterm tour. It's going to be a party. Stephanie Miller, Hal Sparks, Frangela, myself, joined by special guests, including Rob Reiner, Glenn Kirshner, and other special guests to be announced. That's all going to be Saturday at the uh, Saban Theater in Beverly Hills. That's the really pretty one on La Cienega and Wilshire. 
if you can't make it to L.A. and you really are in the mood to laugh at all the carnage and horror we have been dealing with this midterm season, I hope you'll uh, join us via the live stream pay-per-view event. You can go to SexyLiberal.com and get tickets, and you can stream the entire show on Saturday night. It's going to be a riot. Again, we are bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble and would love to hear from you. We are 23 days from the midterms. And Democratic momentum, if you believe polls, has stalled. But you might not believe polls because you might not be an older person who answers landlines during dinner hour. Think about it. How many times do you get a call on the cell phone and you don't pick it up because you don't know who it is? Well, the folks who do, that's who's being polled. Keep that in mind. Democrats are still losing independents who are terrified about the economy and gas prices. But the job market's good. Fewer people are worried about their job situation. And of course, student loan debt on the federal level is about to be cut in half. We'll talk about that program tonight. The president's decriminalizing weed. The January 6th hearings wrapped up last Thursday. I watched it on the airplane. Did you guys? It's not getting better for Donald Trump. And that's who we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> you might not have put Donald Trump lashing out at the entire American Jewish population on a Sunday morning on your bingo card because they aren't more appreciative of all his administration did with Israel. But if you didn't get to see it, Trump says he's so popular over there in Israel, he could be the country's next prime minister, despite the fact that he's not Jewish and he puts out anti-Semitic tweets. Now, this is right after Kanye, yay, was thrown off Instagram and Twitter for a bunch of anti-Semitic comments and made quite a few of them in his interview with Tucker Carlson, which Tucker's people edited out and someone at Fox News leaked. Whoever leaked it, we'd love to know. It is not easy to leak Fox News footage out there. But Donald Trump, the leader of the once party of Lincoln, went on to his Truth Social social media network that he founded to unload on you ungrateful Jews, warning the Jewish people of America, they'd better start showing him some more respect, quote, before it's too late. It takes a lot for Trump to shock me at this point. The tone deafness of this, the only thing that could shock me more is the silence from the Republican Party, if you missed it. This is the same Donald Trump who, uh, according to Wall Street Journal reporter Michael Bender in his book, told his chief of staff, Hitler did a lot of good things. He said, you cannot ever say anything supportive of Adolf Hitler. You just can't. Same Donald Trump who 32 years ago, Vanity Fair reported, he kept a copy of Hitler's speeches next to his bed. Well, Vanity Fair just did that to hurt him as a president 32 years ago. Trump wrote on Truth Social, uh, No president has done more for Israel than I have. Somewhat surprisingly, however, our wonderful evangelicals are far more appreciative of this than the people of the Jewish faith, especially those living in the U.S. My God, he's dumb. My God, it, how can they all be so stupid? Are they not watching the same Gina Carano show the rest of us are watching? Does Kanye West not realize that there are Jews in the music industry? <laughs> That's the first part of Trump's post on Truth Social. And what he's doing there, you might notice, is he's pitting the ungrateful Jewish people against the wonderful evangelical Christians, the appreciative evangelical Christians. Now, never mind the fact that evangelical Christians are really focused on Israel if they believe in the rapture. Because if you believe in the rapture, you believe that all the Jews who don't convert to Christianity will go to hell. That's how it works. One third of the Jews will be killed. 
uh, one third of the Jews will just hang around here and be miserable, and one third of the Jews will uh, convert to Christianity. So that's why so many of our right-wing Christian friends pretend to give what we call a damn about the nation of Israel. Now, this whole insinuation that American Jews owe Trump their loyalty because he did something for Israel. Can you imagine anyone ever being this insulting? Any other American politician being this insulting the Jewish Americans? And by the way, he's pulling the whole anti-Semitic dual loyalty trope, which we've always heard that American Jews who don't live in Israel and aren't of Israeli descent should care more about what's going on there than in their own country. Why aren't you more like those Jews that like me? People living in Israel, that's a different story for Trump. Highest approval rating in the world. I could be the prime minister. U.S. Jews have to get your act together and appreciate what they have in Israel before it's too late. That's how he signed off, friends. I'm dying to know your thoughts on this. U.S. Jews have to get their act together before it is too late. What'll happen after it's too late? Well, Donald Trump doesn't tell us. Now, this is the same guy who once tweeted a picture of Hillary Clinton's face next to a star of David and the words most corrupt candidate ever. Remember in the end of the 2016 campaign, he had an ad that showed three famous Jewish people, George Soros, Janet Yellen and Lloyd Blankfein, while warning in in the words of Trump, a secretive global power structure was to blame for economic problems that have robbed our working class and stripped our country of its wealth, showing pictures of three prominent Jews. He once had the Hanukkah party at the White House that had that evangelical pastor who said Jews are going to hell. This is the same guy who, uh, when we were waiting for him to condemn the neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, had to come out and say there were very fine people on both sides of a white supremacist rally where they were carrying Nazi signs and chanted things like Jews will not replace us. Very fine people. There were no fine people on both sides, guys. I mean, one side was marching to defend Confederate statues. No. I don't, they were all white supremacists. If you're marching to defend statues of white supremacists who took up arms against America to protect slavery, you're a white supremacist. But calling the Jews who didn't vote for him dumb or traitors, and he did this in a speech where he said that Jewish voters don't even know what they're doing or saying anymore. No elected Republican officials have condemned any of this, none of this, and they didn't, They didn't uh, condemn his racist attack on his former transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, last week. They haven't condemned Tommy Tuberville's racist comments about reparations, which are all going to criminals. That's been sitting out there for a week. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know her, right? Uh, Jewish space laser lady. She just tweeted the same banks that hold George Soros accounts and hedge funds also held Jeffrey Epstein accounts and hedge funds. What is up with these people and the anti-Jewish dog whistle? I'm trying to understand this. White House press corps asked for reaction to Donald Trump's social media post about Israel and the Jewish Americans. Give a listen. So Donald Trump's comments were anti-Semitic, as you all know, and insulting, both to Jews and to our Israeli allies. But let's be clear, for years, for years now, Donald Trump has aligned with extremist and anti-Semitic figures. And it should be, it should be called out, to your point, Darlene, just like we called out our Democratic uh, friends and colleagues last week. And we will condemn and call this out as well. So we need to root out anti-Semitism everywhere. It rears its ugly head. We need to call this out. With respect to Israel, our relationship is ironclad and it's rooted in shared values and interests. Donald Trump clearly doesn't understand that either. 
<laughs> Trump was just trying to be anti-semantic. He just put out a statement. He, he got it all wrong. You know, and again, like Donald Trump's going to come out and say that it's all OK because his son-in-law that he can't stand is Jewish. The son who married the daughter, he once called a piece of ass. They also asked Karine Jean-Pierre for reaction to Kanye West's unfortunate comments, because, again, Trump's not the only famous anti-Semite this week. Wherefore art thou, yay? It was announced earlier today that the rapper formerly known as Kanye West wants to buy the conservative social media platform Parler. Um, And this comes after he was kicked off of Twitter and Instagram last week for his own set of anti-Semitic comments. Is the White House or the president concerned that uh, should this sale go ahead and that Ye be allowed to buy this platform, that it would give him a, another venue for anti-Semitic comments, hateful comments with no, you know, no gatekeeper, no one to say that's wrong or anything like that? So as you know, when it comes to these types of purchases uh, or agreements, I can't speak to that. Um, so that's not something the actual, you know, uh, agreement or inter- interaction. I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is hateful rhetoric. What I can speak to uh, is insulting rhetoric. When I can't, what I can't speak can speak to is anti-Semitism, which is hateful. It is dangerous, uh, and uh, we are going to continue to condemn that type of language because, at the end of the day, it is disgusting, and it is there is no room, absolutely no room, no place in our political discourse to be having that type of really vile uh, conversation or comments being made. I mean, can you just imagine when Donald Trump dies? I wasn't going to talk about that, but let me just for a moment. I don't want Donald Trump to die. Okay. I, I don't want him to die at all. Although if he did, he'd stop gaining weight, but I don't, I don't want him to die, but I just want you to think about this. Stay healthy, please. Please take care of yourself because the one thing I can guarantee you not how the midterms will turn out, not that we're going to get ahead of climate change, not that we'll ever get single-payer health care. I can't guarantee much, brothers and sisters. I am a humble vaudevillian at your service. But the one thing I can promise you is Donald Trump is going to die someday. We're all going to die someday. So it's a pretty broad club. But Donald Trump's going to stop. His hideous anus-like lips will cease their flapping. He will no longer gain any more weight. It's just going to happen. Now, I don't want him to die. I want three ghosts to visit Donald Trump on Christmas Eve and make him a good person. That's what I want. And I wish him a very long life, preferably in The Hague. I want Trump to live a very long time. I'd like him to live to be 120, just to watch his name go through decades of scorn and disrepute. I want Trump to live a long time, just before you get offended. I'm just going to say, he's going to die. Can you imagine the funeral? I mean, you know how whenever the president dies and we have our TV shows interrupted to show a hearse? on a tarmac going to a plane. And we're like, why can't I watch my show? When Trump dies, we're all going to watch the box in the hearse. Everyone, we're going to dead Trump and chill. We're all going to do it. And it's going to be amazing because all Trump cares about is ratings. He'll finally get the biggest ratings of his life because he's freaking dead. And you'll be there because you're going to take care of yourself and you're going to outlive Donald Trump. You have to outlive him. I'm sorry. Now, I know what you're thinking. Trump's funeral, will that be open casket or closed? It's a trick question. They won't be able to close it. Donald Trump will bribe the coroner to lie about his corpse's weight well in advance. Can you imagine the casket? Can you imagine? His coffin's going to look like Liberace's piano. I mean, you've got to stay alive for Trump's funeral, people. Because you know Melania's bringing a date. You've got to stay alive. It's going to be incredible. Who's going to sing? I mean, Frank Stallone. I, I, all right, I, I know that. But just imagine the funeral. 
when Putin busts in and goes to the casket and says, where is the be my money, bitch? Who is pallbearers going to be, Chris? Donald Trump's Paul. I, I predict his pallbearers will be Chachi, the MyPillow guy, uh, Kid Rock, Ted Cruz, Kim Jong-un, Ron Jeremy, and uh, Rudy Giuliani. But Rudy won't be tall enough to reach the box, so he'll just be running along hopping, trying to reach it. And then they're going to have to have the Donald Trump Presidential Library and Museum for Americans who have never, ever been to a library or a museum. That's going to be great. They're going to have to make it like that. Where's it going to be? First, I mean, Moscow, I guess, St. Petersburg. But they're going to have to make it like the Trump Presidential Library and Casino. That's what they'll do. He's going to be taking these rubes money from beyond the grave. And again, I don't mean to be unkind. I don't want him to suffer. I'm not going to pee on his grave. He might like that. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I have so been looking forward to this next conversation, and I hope I can match the grasp of science and the elegance of prose that our guest has mastered. Our world teems with all manner of sound and conversation that we are not designed to hear, but scientists are utilizing groundbreaking digital sciences to uncover the sounds, the communications amongst our fellow creatures throughout what is called the tree of life. There is so much going on in nature that humans don't know about because humans don't think it matters if humans can't hear it. But Dr. Karen Baker is a professor at the University of British Columbia. She got her PhD from the University of Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar. Her new book is as luminous as it is fascinating, The Sounds of Life, How Digital Technology is Bringing Us Closer to the World of Animals and Plants. And it takes you on a grand tour through all different kinds of audio landscapes, the sounds of animals, and yes, the sounds of plants. Did you know dolphins can call each other by individual names? Did you know that turtle embryos, while they're still in their shells, coordinate the timing of their births using sound? This is an amazing journey into the hidden realm of nature's noise. It is a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Karen Baker to SiriusXM. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being had. Um, I just found this so fascinating, and I'm sure that you have lay people all the time who are just expressing shock. I want to begin with the most basic question. Um, what was it that inspired you to undertake this book? I've read your stuff in the past, and you've been so great about privatizing water and uh, the race that's on for our dwindling resources. Nothing could have prepared me for this book, however. What was it that made you decide to invest so much of your time and expertise into this 
I mean, dare I call it spiritual book about mm. the beautiful noise that nature is making available, just not always to us. Well, that is the highest compliment I could receive on the book because it is a book that's deeply informed by science. And yet I think that there is a spiritual theme that weaves its way through the writings. So with that, let me tell you just a little bit for your listeners about what the book's about. And then I'll tell you a little bit of the origin story. So the book tells the story of the amazing science that's been done mostly over the past decade using digital tools that are not very different than you would find in your smartphone. And those digital recording devices are listening in on nature's sounds, most of which are inaudible to the human ear. And we're discovering some amazing things about nature, the complex communication, all these cool behaviors we didn't know about, um, all the way from um, animals that, you know, sort of charismatic megafauna like whales and elephants to, you know, pretty, pretty monist animals, tree mice, shrews, uh, all the way to even plants uh, or coral making sound or being responsive to sound. So this overturns a lot of what we knew about um, nature and actually is raising some really interesting questions about communication language and eventually breaking the barrier of interspecies communication. So it's a big conversation. Now, how did I get started on that journey? It's, it's a bit of a long story. I'll try to make it short and sweet. Uh, about seven years ago, I went on sabbatical to Stanford and I went with a little bit of a quirky idea. And my idea was that digital technologies could one day enable non-humans to um, either uh, vote or so- somehow engage in political conversation, express political voice. I wasn't quite sure how that could happen. I wanted to explore this hypothesis. I was roundly and soundly rebuffed. A lot of people thought this was idea was ridiculous. But one of the things they pointed out was uh, their belief that non-humans had nothing interesting to say, that they were Correct. essentially mute, they didn't communicate, there was nothing interesting going on. And that caught my attention and I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. I'll just go start reading the research got drawn this drawn down this this incredible deep rabbit hole of the amazing research that's been ongoing and 7 years later this book the sounds of life is is the result I mean, I was raised, um, as I'm sure many were in a scientific realm where we talked about how humans alone have speech and that means humans alone have reason. Um we we are raised to believe because we're human that we have to set ourselves apart and be special so we want to believe that things like language or tool making or even love are what sets us apart from the other creatures i was astonished to learn that um well you said it interspecies communication that that's actually a thing and that artificial intelligence is now decoding non-human sounds and humans are now building dictionaries as to how elephants communicate to each other and and whales as well. Yeah. So the point you made about the distinction between humans and non-humans has, of course, a very long tradition. What, wasn't it Descartes? Two, maxis, two maxims, I think, therefore I am. And mm-hmm. animals, unlike humans, do not reason, do not possess that, that uh, sense of, of consciousness, of self. So over the centuries, those assumptions have uh, proven remarkably sticky. Um, And what's fascinating about this research is it is bringing some of those claims under scrutiny. The question still remains, is the difference between humans and non-humans one 
you know, it, is the difference between human and non-human language a difference of degree or of kind? Is there still something right. fundamentally discontinuous between human and non-human language? I don't think we've quite answered that. But it's the continuum hypothesis, the idea that many non-humans possess forms of language, seems much more likely than it did even a decade ago. Can you explain how artificial intelligence is helping us understand what different species are communicating to each other? For sure. So um, imagine taking your smartphone um, and uh, basically turning on the record button and leaving it outside overnight. You might be surprised, no matter where you live, you might be surprised by the sounds of creatures that it picks up. Uh, scientists are doing this all over the world, from the depths of the ocean to the remotest reaches of the Amazon or the Arctic. They're recording all of these sounds. They're recording them in what is called the ultrasound above our human hearing range. That's the realm of bats, um, shrews, mice, dolphins. They're also recording those sounds in the infrasound below human hearing range. That's the realm of tigers and elephants and whales and even peacocks that make infrasound with their tails. Who knew? So when you start recording all that sound, you have a tsunami of data. You have a deluge of data, <laughs> uh, much beyond what the human um, mind could possibly analyze. And that's when you turn to artificial intelligence algorithms that are very good at pattern recognition. And just like we can use AI algorithms for Google Translate, or we can use them for speech to text dictation, you can train al algorithms similarly to parse and decode patterns in non-human communication. So algorithms have been trained on these big data sets of non-human sound. And so we're finding out some cool things. So one of them you mentioned earlier, it turns out that species exhibit um, vocal labels, which is the scientific euphemism for names, mm -hmm. individual names. Dolphins have them. Um, other species have them. So this is a type of uh, specificity in non-human communication we would not have known existed were it not for the power of the AI algorithm to decode uh, those names. And of course, we can easily test those assumptions by playing back the animal's label and seeing how it responds. AI has found lots of other patterns too, linked with behavior. Some of my favorite examples relate to bats. So yes, bats, of you, course, that's, they're very cool. That's my cool. big question. Oh, I learned one, so much about bats from, from So this. much about bats. Who knew? So they're one quarter of all the million species. A lot of the sound they make is above human hearing range. Um, some listeners might be familiar with this notion that bats echolocate using sound, but yes. they also use sound to communicate. They sing songs. So it turns out that they also use sound essentially as language. And through using AI, listening to bats in a cave, recording millions of sounds over days or months, we've learned that bats um, hold grudges. They remember favors. They trade food for sex. They socially distance and go quiet when ill. Mother bats teach their babies how to speak in baby bat, babalese, just like human mothers do. That's what amazes me. Eventually grow up to speak adult bat language. They they share their family songs, which they sing in their family groups, and, and that's a, a hallmark of culture. All of that is because our ears couldn't listen to the bat in the bats in the bat cave, but the algorithm can, and it tells us all those amazing things. And they're able to tell that bats have words, bats have names, they give each other names, and, and bats have memories, memories to carry grudges, to remember favors, and to, re and to remember names. I mean, so... so or, or a specific baby... vocal labels. So there's a lot of resistance in the scientific community to use terms like names. So they'll use okay. things like referential signals. 
gotcha. or they'll use terms like vocal labels because um, there's a very controversial history in Western science about the assertion that non-humans have language. So the way scientists deal with this today is they talk about communication and information and vocabulary, but they avoid some of those contested terms. Of course. So the bat might have a, a sound that indicates, hey, you kids, not Timmy and Millicent. I, I, I get that. But it's amazing to me that the algorithm was able to tell that the baby bats don't have these words, these symbols, these sounds that represent things until the mothers teach them. That was just uh, mm-hmm. so incredible. Vocal me, learning, guess, vocal learning. Yeah. So, and, and with AI, we've actually uh, determined that a larger range of species has vocal learning than we realize. Now, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Your ears are not attuned to listen like a bat. Your ears are not attuned to listen like a bee. We're constrained by our bodies, but our computers are not similarly constrained. They can be trained to listen to any sound data. And so that what's, that's what makes them very powerful translation instruments. And that's why some scientists believe we are on the verge of inventing a zoological version of Google Translate. So mm. to give a fanciful example, which is not real, just to make it clear to your okay. readers, this, okay. is, this, is, this is fiction, but it's illustrative speculative fiction. Imagine a world in, in which one day Google Translate had an option for East African elephant or West Australian dolphin or sperm whalish. Scientists are working on all of these dictionaries. We're not there yet, but there, you know, there's some believers out there that think the science will bring us to that point. I mean, The Simpsons did an episode some 20 years ago uh, about a, a translator for babies, you know, and it was just seen as so ridiculous and farcical. But you're talking about the real thing for us to know how animals are feeling and what they're thinking. And, and uh, just a, I mean, it represents so much change in terms of ethics, in terms of basic morality and our understanding of our own universe. It does. And it gets to some very fundamental existential questions about what it means to be human. Uh, in, there's a long tradition of defining what it means to be human in opposition to others, species, to non-humans, and whether it was toolmaking, we now know humans are not unique in their toolmaking abilities, whether it was the ability to reason, uh, whether it was the ability to exercise a highly complex language, uh, including symbolic communication. We as a species seem to need, you know, it's it's like this undercurrent of grandiosity, We need to feel special. We need to feel different. And so one of the cool things about this science is it's not so human-centered. In fact, the whole point about interspecies communication is kind of cool, but most of these researchers are actually just more interested in finding out what these animals have to say to one another. Mirjam Knorchtild, who's this great German researcher working on bats, makes this point. She says, well, maybe the bats don't want to talk to us. I'm much more interested, she says, in hearing what the bats have to say to one another, what the bats might have to say to the honeybees, you know, um, that kind of interspecies communication. So that's a very humbling and humble way to look at it. Let me ask you about deep listening, because I know in a way that's what this artificial intelligence is being designed to do. Um, You talk in the book about how indigenous scientists were way ahead of Western scientists in terms of understanding the ways that animals use sound. I found that amazing. And I'm, I'm curious what you discovered in your research. So deep listening, this traditional ecological knowledge, um, indigenous science uh, has a lot to teach us. And 
the quote I love to share is one from Blackfoot philosopher Leroy Little Bear, who says, the human brain is like a station on the radio dial. Parked in one spot, it is deaf to all the other stations, the animals, rocks, trees simultaneously broadcasting across the whole spectrum of sentience. So there are lots of examples in the book about how different peoples in different places have evolved very, very highly sophisticated mechanisms for basically moving the radio dial, for being able to listen to other species. There's one great example I, I talk about in that chapter on turtles um, of the Kayamura in Brazil, who uh, from uh, select children from a very young age, children who sort of display um, a natural vir virtuosity, if you like, in the listening arts. And they train them, and they train them to be able to listen and remember and uh, decode the sounds of the forest. It's, it's this vigorous training, and then their interpretive acoustic abilities surpass those of Western scientists coming into the forest with all their gear and all their, you know, computers and their recorders. The Kayamura are able to listen more deeply and and associate the sounds they hear with behavior, meaning. And beyond that, I think, be in dialogue. So a lot of what I've described as digital bioacoustics is essentially like a planetary hearing aid or basically right. a big eaves eavesdropping device. We're just eavesdropping without permission, I might add. Yes. Whereas the deep listening tradition is one in which you're engaged in dialogue, in relation, you converse with the animals, plants, and spirits. And, and that's, I think, a much more um, ethically grounded way of listening. I think it provides some very interesting um, guardrails or, or perspectives that we could use as we sort of enter this brave new world of communicating with non-humans, which actually opens up some pretty scary possibilities of domesticating or exploiting animals if we can better communicate with them. Well, I'd like to ask you about that, too. But to your point, I mean, microscopes and telescopes have long allowed us to look without permission. So it sort of seems like this is the next frontier in our curiosity as homo sapiens but is it possible for folks who aren't first nations who weren't raised in indigenous cultures to acquire that kind of skill that kind of deep listening ability is that the sort of thing that people can eventually teach themselves to do or is that something that's got to be inherent i mean i'm i'm speaking as a non-indigenous person i i can't i actually can't answer that i do think that the People might want to answer that for themselves by going and reading the work, for example, of people like Robin Wall Kimmerer in her book, Braiding Sweetgrass, which is a wonderful book mm -hmm. I really recommend to people. She she talks through some of these issues. What I will say is that um, the book makes the argument that deep listening is complementary to digital listening. And in a world where many of us are distanced from nature, these digital apps instead of further distancing us, can open uh, our, our ears, open our hearts, enable us to connect with nature. There are lots of apps you can have on your phone that enable you to listen in and, and reconnect. And, and that, that might be a way in which, you know, some people approach these great mysteries. At the end of the day, science, um, just like other forms of knowing, is a way of approaching the resonant mystery of nature's sound. I don't think there's any one way that's the right answer for any one person. So, Doctor, when we talk about communication with animals, what 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 do you think could be feasible? What could be realistic in terms of human to animal communication within our lifetimes or down the road? I think we will make advances to the point where we're able to communicate 
using a vocabulary of a few hundred words with a few sentinel species that we've chosen to to focus on, uh, whale, notably whales, elephants, honeybees, and bats. This is already the case. There's a, term in, a team in Germany that has decoded um, sounds in honeybee language, yes. encoded those sounds into a robot, inserted that robot into a honeybee hive, and that robot is able, you know, empowered by artificial intelligence to utter specific sounds in honeybee language. And that language is very complex. It's vibrational, it's positional, you know, it's it, there's a sound component, the buzzing, but there's also, if you like, a uh, a movement component, right? That that robot is able to master that language enough to issue commands like tell the other bees to stop moving or tell the other bees where a nectar source is located. That's actually really complicated and hard to do. So we've already broken the barrier of interspecies communication with bees. And I we will continue to see these robots develop more and more vocabulary and we'll see similar experiments with other creatures. The, the question then arises is how is this research going to be used? It could be used um, in factory farms um, as, a, as, a, uh, as a mechanism of sort of um, uh, domestic, uh, domesticated animal management and control. Um, mm -hmm. Or we could see attempts to create interspecies communication devices that you and I could use, kind of retail, <laughs> you know, retail communication. That is all possible within our lifetimes. And again, it raises a ton of ethical questions. Um, of course. We're not really sure about the harm we could do. We're not really sure if we have their consent to, 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 to learn their languages and to speak with them. You know, you, you negotiate all the ethical minefields here, and yet the book is so filled with hope and inspiration. We didn't even get to talk about all that um, this technology might do for conservation around the world as well. Uh, Dr. Karen Baker is the author. The book is The Sounds of Life, How Digital Technology is Bringing Us Closer to the World of Animals and Plants. This book is astonishing, Doctor. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work and research? Um, they can check us out uh, on my website, uh, karenbucker.org, or my research lab, smartearthproject.com. You can try and find the book at uh, your local bookstore. It's also going to be the NPR Science Fridays Book Club uh. of the Month in November. So if people want to read along with Science Friday, um, we're going to be starting to read together in November, and I'd love to have people join in. That's the hippest credit anyone could have in my book. Doctor, thank you so very much for writing this book and for being so gracious with your time. I, I love what you do, and I can't wait to learn more. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great evening. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a moment with your calls at 866-997-4748. If you've been waiting on hold, we will get you in the next hour. This is Progress. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Well, let's let's make it a little better with our listeners, shall we? Let's let's go to our I, evil I army of the night. I want to hear from your people. Can I we let the healing begin, people. please, Miss Handsome? Let's let the healing begin. Let's go to the phones. Guys, we're at 866-997-4748. We thank you so much for your patience on hold. Brian in Oregon, thanks for waiting. You're on you with guys, Rhonda. Hi, Rhonda. Hi, uh, John. Howdy. Um, how is it in California? It's beautiful. I grew up in California. Where in California? Uh, Santa Monica, Palisades, kind of around oh. that area. That's that's where I stay when I'm out here, and I, I lived I lived in Santa Monica for years when I first moved here many many moons ago, and it's still uh, my my other home. So it's it's great yeah, to I've be back. Been back since '75, but <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> well, I, it's changed I, a little bit. Yeah, well, I think so. Um, you could probably breathe the air a little better than you could back then. <laughs> I don't, I, that's actually a very good point. I believe you can. Yeah. Yeah, I remember looking out over the ocean. This is back when I could see. Uh, you could the brown layer you'd see over the, on the horizon um, wow. of the air, and the George Floyd. I, ha- I hadn't heard that that Kanye West was talking about George Floyd dying from fentanyl. I think some of these wing nuts need to have. Uh, you know how they did that with the waterboarding. Some uh, that's right. I can't remember who that was was waterboarded, and he lasted about three seconds. That's after right. After saying it wasn't torture, well, I think. Like, starting with Tucker Carlson, ought to have a guy sit on his neck and see how he likes it, because I think he was one of the guys saying that uh, George Floyd died of uh, fentanyl. Right. Well, you know, that'll, that'll happen That'll happen right after Sean Hannity finally allows himself to be waterboarded, which he promised he would do for charity almost 20 years ago. So, Anyways, that's just, just a thought listening to, to your conversation. And I loved your uh, author. She was fantastic. Yes. And I thought it was really interesting that you called them creatures. The animals, mm-hmm. and um, but also I got to thinking. To me, I got my mind went to uh, the Buddhist and the animals, and my understanding is of Buddha, I, which is minimal, uh, sitting under the tree and roly poly, is he's getting nourishment just from the air, and not um, oh. consuming uh, any kind of uh, bug or animal or anything. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I always thought the Buddha. I always thought the Buddha took care of himself uh, when it came to calories, based on you know the art I've grown up with. Yeah, really. Um, and then I'm uh, with this whole uh, the election stuff. I'm getting terrified. I can't hardly listen to the news. All these polls are coming out with uh, Republicans have taken the lead, and all these generic polls. And uh, mm-hmm. but and it just is, reminds me but to a slogan I had a long time ago when Bush was running and playing in politics that Americans love to be lied to. And oh, yeah. That just is this obsession with being lied to and believing these right-wing fascist weirdos, and then they're surprised when they get shit on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think he, I think he nails it, Rhonda, you know, except the reality is when you have this kind of inflation and these high gas prices... It's going to hurt whoever's in power, and it takes a lot longer to explain to someone that it's OPEC's fault. OPEC just cut production last week, and that's why, I mean, I saw $6 a gallon almost everywhere in L.A. when I got off the plane. It takes a lot longer to explain that than it does for someone to blame Joe Biden. And so we just have to hope that people who take some time to actually understand that the president doesn't tell the oil companies what to charge. The oil companies are greedy, and they do it. We have to hope enough people who understand how the world works show up to vote. 
it's true, but I'm also thinking about the people who just have a lot of money, people who have a lot of money like Kanye. When we were saying that he bought Parler, I believe Candace Owens' husband is is an executive in that in that. Um, really? Yes. And so oh, I'm going, how interesting. This is the, makes very strange bedfellows. <laughs> almost here. makes almost makes her appear a bit untoward and, and, and corrupt. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, Brian? I thought Parler was something that the Mercer started. Robert and what's your uh, Rebecca Mercer? I think there were a lot of funders. I think I think they, they may have been providing some of the funding, and Candace Owens' husband could still be an executive there. He's so in a, yeah. Oh, ignorant! I don't even know who Candace Owens is. <laughs> well, you don't need to know who Candace Owens is, a, and we don't need to know anything more about Parler. You're better off for not knowing. You're better yeah, off. Yeah, Kanye, okay. Kanye just set more money on fire, and Kim can't bail him out. That's the headline here, Brian. Right. I got to run, but I thank you very much for the call. Eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Let me go to Mike in Michigan. Hi, Mike. Thanks for being so patient. You're on with Rhonda. Hey, I'm white, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> she never gets that. That's good. I just want to say, uh, I believe in reparations, okay? Reparations, uh, you know, it, is, right now there's a the thing with the farmers, black farmers getting paid, and Rhonda Hand, you know, or uh, who was it? Thea Harper. Yeah. Got the thing, Minority Report. Yeah, that was interesting. But you know yes. what? Uh, we could do reparations for slavery, okay? You know, we reparations should. for that. It wouldn't cost any money, okay? Just make it so white people couldn't vote for 50 years. <laughs> and, then, and then after the 50 years, and then after the 50 years, two or three-fifths of a person, you get a vote, okay? Mm, okay. Two-fifths, I think. Forget we'll count white people as, as three-fifths of a person for the purpose of voting. I'm, I like where you're going with this. It's very original. Go on. For another uh, another five or ten years before they get the full vote. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I like I your train you, of thought, but I will take the cash. Cut the check. Yeah, I think I think we can do cash. <laughs> I, I also think that reparations, uh, I, I put reparations for um, First Nations indigenous people right next to uh, descendants of slavery. I think you, you have the, to do them both. You, nobody has to defend the, the fact that uh, the first people have already been getting reparations, have been getting uh, payments, have been getting land, have been getting uh, Somehow. money. Well, you don't have to defend it. Every time it comes up around black people, we have to defend it. I mean, in Always. one year, uh, Asians got a package. Uh, you know, uh, we have people who are not even U.S. citizens getting incredible um, grants and uh, educational right. opportunities, housing opportunities. And we have a homeless situation for American citizens that is totally out of control. And I think that it is time that our our country paid attention to the people who built this country, the black citizens, the foundational black Americans who built this country and have suffered through uh, um, years, hundreds of years of slavery and then Jim Crow and the systemic racism that exists to today. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I that's why I support reparations, but only for 400 years, Rhonda. And after 400 <laughs> years, they're cut off. All right. That's that's my I, rule. I, I got to go for 401, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> I also think we should have only women on the Supreme Court for 200 years. Then it'll be even uh, 200 years well, of nine no, women. No, we'll be not, fine. 
not women like Amy, because this woman, she said that, that the science is not in on climate change or systemic racism. That's true. The, the true. only thing that she can prove empirically is that she's never used birth control. <laughs> oh, well, we can also say that she, among the other eight, turned down Donald Trump's uh, request for help for the Mar-a-Lago research last week. Mike, thank you so much for the call. Let me go to Stephen in Kentucky. Good evening, sir. Hi, how are you? Very good. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. Uh, kudos to you and Deronda on your sick Broadway success. It's nice oh, well, thank to you. hear it's a lovely Thank show. Thank you so much. It's off Broadway, but it is on 42nd Street. Thank you. That's true. Well, that's New York. New York's a wonderful place. I always enjoyed New York. I did myself. Um, I wanted to also say uh, Rita Hayworth's birthday would have been today, and I know Beverly yes. Garland's, I think, was last week, and then Rita, uh, Ruby Dee's birthday is going to be coming up this month as well. I believe it's oh. later this month. I, I'm not sure exactly of the date, but I know it was October. Yes. Thank you for saying that she is theater royalty. Yes, she is theater oh, royalty and cinematic royalty, too. And her husband was marvelous, too. Ozzy yes. Davis. I really absolutely. Him. Absolutely. He's in December, I believe. I think okay. he's, he was a Sagittarius, I believe. I actually was calling, I, you know, I'm a little offended by Herschel Walker's remarks about diabetes today. My you'll have to excuse me. My father died. Four years ago this month of this disease, and I happened to have seen him. It was like watching Jaws attack. I've, many people in my family have had this, and I've seen them all die like Jaws. You know, you saw Jaws going after all the victims. Right. I'm so, so sorry that, to hear that, but can you please tell me what did he say about diabetes? Yeah. Um, Herschel he, said today the people with diabetes, he, he, he would have voted against capping insulin costs because they should just eat right instead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I and mean, there's a million people in Georgia who have diabetes. And the ones who hate themselves are still voting for Herschel. Well, Mick Mulvaney said the same thing along the lines in uh, 2018. And I actually called the White House at that time, and I gave them hell for saying that, because what I said to them is, you know, the fact is they can bitch and complain all they want to about the high cost of insulin and all this. But uh, but the same thing is these are the people that are in bed with the pharmaceutical and the insurance industries. They're the ones who are keeping a universal remedy, which is what we need. If we have a universal fucking remedy for COVID-19 and we have one, Mr. Biden has talked about one for cancer. There is no reason why on God's green earth they cannot have one for diabetes either. I don't give a rat's ass who says what about it. It's ridiculous. And as far as Mr. Trump is concerned, yes. you know, I just wanted to mention, you know, he says that they try to make it seem like Democrats don't give a damn about Israel. Well, Mr. Trump, I guess you've never heard of someone called Bobby Kennedy when Mr. Kennedy was murdered. He was murdered because of his stance, apparently, for being pro-Israel. Um, mm. So maybe that's why he was murdered. 
Well, I believe so, Sirhan. Sirhan, didn't he uh, go after? But which I never understood because all these other candidates were also pro-Israel. Ronald yeah, Reagan not sure was, pro-Nixon was, and Humphrey was. All these other people were. I don't know why he decided to target Bobby Kennedy, but I do know that was one of the reasons he had cited back in '68 okay. that he that that was one of. But but it really gets me though, and I agree with Christopher from Los Angeles. These problems were with us since the inception of the country, Jim Jane Crow were. And the fact is, Trump is a mirror of these chronic insecurities. I agree. I agree. And the thing is, though... A distorted funhouse mirror. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, a sick joke mirror is more like it. But, you know, but, but the thing is, though... I maybe people don't always agree with them on this issue, but I tell you, I really pray that God comes back, because to tell you the truth, at this point in time, all this crap going on, this all this impending fascism, when I say that gentleman a moment ago, Brian was talking about the polls and everything else, you know, the fact is, they may think they have it made right now, but all these little uh, plaster saints out there talking about God so much. So let's see when mm-hmm. God comes back. Let's see when they have to account for their actions. Oh, you know, yeah. Believe me. Yeah, I, hope and I, Trump, say... I hope Donald Trump invests in a suntan lotion franchise, because where he's going, he's going to need it, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always say when, when Donald Trump finally... When Donald Trump finally goes before St. Peter, he will discover what extreme vetting really means. Well, he'll Stephen. enjoy that. He'll enjoy <laughs> that. He'll, he, he, he loves, uh, well, what's a shampoo that he was coming out with? Golden showers bring Mayflower. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, Wasn't that that's strictly, a, strictly an unfounded rumor. That's all that is, sir. How dare you? Oh, I've I got to go, Stephen. I've seen otherwise. I, I've <laughs> seen some uh, other things otherwise than, other than that. And we all know about his proclivities. Yes, we're for little girls. Thank heaven for little girls, too. Mm, uh, we, we know how he talks in public. We don't know if we ever close the deal, as they say. Stephen, thank you very much for the call. We got to hit a quick break. Rhonda, can you stay with us till the top of the hour? Absolutely, John. We'll be right back in just a moment at 866-997-4748. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Cheryl in Michigan. How are you, Cheryl? I can hear you. I'm pretty good. Can you hear me? I sure can hear yes. you. Yes. Hello. 
Okay, well, what I wanted to say is um, Orson Scott Card, who you we were talking about earlier. Yes. Um, the Ender books, especially. Yes. Um, the the characters, um, I would say, are very progressive, and uh, about you know the way you should treat other beings and stuff like that. A few years ago, I heard something about Orson Scott Card that I'm pretty sure is correct, and that is he is very uh, anti-gay. Oh. Um, that. You know, he lives in you know, he lives in Utah because um, you know, he's a Mormon, oh, okay. and um, which shows me that um, we all are capable of doing something really, really good, and also doing something really, really bad. Because um, you're so right, Cheryl. I mean, I was just flabbergasted. I, you know, I couldn't believe that you know that he you know that he said that, and yet I don't think the characters in his books would do that. You know. Um, you know, great, great oh, male it, artists, great male artists being deeply flawed uh, men has just become the theme of all art in our lives right now. And it's something that we all just have to be ready to talk about and, and, and grapple with all the time. Another example of this is like um, St. Paul, um, you know, in um, yeah. Romans, it says nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. And then he says some rather... Uh, bad things about how women should be quiet and, you know, yeah. not talking to Yeah, St. Paul's, a, he's, he's a complicated case, you know, and it's, it's kind of sad because you got this incredible liberal guy, Jesus, and his PR guy is this deeply inconsistent right-wing fellow who kind of hates himself. So, yeah, happens. Yeah, I mean, because I think we're all capable of doing something really, really good and despite that, doing something really, really bad. Which, Indeed. you know, we don't want to do and, um, you know, keep in touch with our higher power to, um, you know, try to prevent us You're from right. doing things like that. But I think we are all capable of it. Well, I got to do something I really don't want to do that's bad right now. And that's say goodbye to Rhonda Handsome. Ms. Handsome, thank you, Cheryl, for the call. It's so good to see you, Rhonda. Thank you so much My for joining pleasure. us tonight. I'll be I'll see you again on next Monday and I'll be back on stage with you next Tuesday. So thank you. At indictment, excitement, yes. Indictment, excitement. I'm just so happy to be here in L.A. because if you didn't know, I spent the whole two years in lockdown writing this light romantic comedy for Bill Murray. So I came here to pitch it. Wish me luck. (laughs) It's a bright time for a Bill Murray romantic film. This is Progress. Progress.